0: chapter forty of half a century by jane grey swishelm this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela Nagami. a famous victory the day after the stearns house meeting i was thought to be dying all that medical skill and loving hands could do was done to draw me from the dark valley into which i seemed to have passed while those men who had planted themselves and their rifles between me and death by violence came on tiptoe to know if i yet lived when i was able to be out it was not thought safe for me to do so not even to cross the street and sit on the high green bank which overlooked the river harry was constantly armed and on guard and a pistol shot from his house night or day would have brought a score of armed men in a very short time a printing company had been formed to re-establish the visitor in it were forty good men and true and they sent an agent to chicago to buy press and type the st cloud visitor was to begin a new life as the mouthpiece of the republican party and i was no longer a scout conducting a war on the only rational plan of indian warfare i begged my friends to stand aside and leave Lowry and me to settle the trouble saying to them i cannot fight behind ramparts of friends i must take the risks myself must have an open field protect me from brute force and give me moral aid but stand aside but they were full of enthusiasm and would bear the brunt of battle there were open threats of the destruction of the new press and it was no time to quit the field of the first number of the resurrected visitor the st cloud printing company was publisher and i sole editor i prepared the contents very carefully that they might not give unnecessary offence dropped the role of supporting buchanan and tried to make a strong republican paper of the abolition type and in the leader give a history of the destruction of my office the paper gave great satisfaction to the publishers who had not thought i would be so calm but Lowry threatened a libel suit for my history of that outrage and i said to the printing company you must get out of my way or i will withdraw at once they gave me a bill of sale for the press and material and of the second number, I was sole editor and proprietor, but it was too late. The libel suit was brought, damages laid at $10,000, and every lawyer in that upper country retained for the prosecution. This was the spring of '58. The two years previous, the country had been devastated by grasshoppers, and no green thing had escaped. There was no old grain. The mass of people had been speculating in town lots and such had been the demand for city charters that a wag moved in legislature to reserve one-tenth of the land of minnesota for agricultural purposes the territorial had just been exchanged for a state government which was not yet in working order the capital of every man in the printing company was buried in corner lots or lots which were not on a corner the wolves and bears cared nothing for surveyors stakes and held possession of most of the cities, howling defiance at the march of civilization. The troops were still in Kansas establishing slavery, and we lived in a constant state of alarm. The men were organized for defense against Indians and must do picket duty. All the money was in the hands of the enemy. Citizens had everything to buy and nothing to buy it with. Provisions were brought up from St. Paul by wagon, except when a boat could come from St. Anthony. Those men of the company who were especially marked were men of families, and it is hard to starve children for the freedom of the press. The nearest court was St. Anthony. Any defense of that suit must be ruinous to those men, and I advised them to compromise. A committee was appointed to meet six lawyers and were in despair when they learned the ultimatum of the great dictator with the terms demanded they had no inclination to comply but sent J. fowler to me with a contract they were required to sign this bound the company in a bond of ten thousand dollars actual payment that the st cloud visitor should publish in its columns a card from mr shepley of which a copy was appended and which stated that the destruction of the office was not for any political cause but was solely on account of an attack made by its editor on the reputation of a lady. Also, that said visitor should never again discuss or refer to the destruction of its office. Fowler burned with indignation and was much surprised when I returned the paper, saying that I would comply with these demands. He protested that I should not, that they had set out to defend the freedom of the press. Which you cannot do, I remarked, You sign that paper just as you would hand your money to a robber who held a pistol to your head and demanded it. There is a point at which the bravest must yield, where resistance is madness, and you have reached this point. The press is mine. Leave its freedom to me. Defend me from brute force and do your duty to your families. He returned to the consultation room where everyone was surprised at my compliance. They had all given me credit for more pluck, but since i surrendered the case was lost the contract was signed the bond executed and everything made tight and fast as law could make it the friends of free press were indignant but bided their time stephen miller a nephew of my mother-in-law and afterwards governor of minnesota was on a visit to harrisburg during all this trouble and when he returned he flew into a towering rage over what he termed the cowardly backdown of the printing company and published a card in the St. Paul papers, washing his hands of it. But to the victors belonged the spoils and glory, and now they made much of them. Ladies got out their silks, their jewels, and their laces. There were sounds of revelry by night, where fair women and gallant men drew round the social board, on which sparkled the wine-cup and glimmered the yellow gold to be taken up by the winner. Champagne was drunk in honor of the famous victory, hands were shaken over it, stray sheep were brought back into the true democratic fold, and late opinions about presses and types were forgotten. Though among all the rejoicings the bar had the best of it, for once its members had not been like the blades of a pair of scissors, had not even seemed to cut each other, while only cutting that which came between. For once its members were a band of brothers, concentrated into one sharp keen dagger, with which they stabbed freedom to the heart that triumphant bar stroked its bearded chin and parted its silky moustache hemmed its wisest hem hawed its most impressive haw. if general Lowry had ah but ah taken legal advice ah in the first instance ah all would have been well ah they were the generals who had won this famous victory and wore their laurels with a jaunty air while a learned and distinguished divine from the centre of the state in a sermon congratulated the lord on having succeeded in restoring peace to this community lately torn by dissensions and all was quiet on the mississippi on its bank sat poor little i looking out on its solemn march to the sea thinking of minnesota sending a whale upon its bosom to meet and mingle with that borne by the missouri from kansas thinking of a sad-faced slave who landed with her babe in her arms here, just in front of my unfinished loft, performed the labor of a slave in this free northern land, and embarked from this same landing to go to a Tennessee auction block, nobody saying to the master, Why do ye this? Against the power which thus trampled constitutional guarantees, congressional enactments, and state rights in the dust, I seemed to stand alone, with my hands tied, stood in a body weighing just one hundred pounds, and kept in it by the most assiduous care. I was learning to set type, and as I picked the bits of lead from the labelled boxes there ran the old tune of St. Thomas, carrying through my brain these words, Yea, though I walk in death's dark veil, yet will I fear none ill. Why did the heathen rage and kings vex themselves? God, even our God, should dash them together like potsherds. What an uneven fight it was, God and I against that little clique, against a world. I rented the office to the boys who at once gave me notice that I was no longer wanted in it. They issued a half-sheet visitor with the devil as editor and proprietor. His salutatory informed his readers that he was in full possession and was going to have a good time had taught the visitor to lie and was going to tunnel the Mississippi. Those were bright boys and they had a jolly week. Mr. Shepley's card appeared as per agreement and thus far the terms of release for the printing company complied with and the contract with the dictator filled. But what next? Had I actually given up the publication? Of course I had. Its finances were desperate and what else could I do? What motive could I have for attempting to go on with it? oh what a famous victory the next publication day passed and no visitor there was a dress parade of triumphant troops and that most famous victory was bearing fruit next day the st cloud democrat made its appearance and i was sole editor and proprietor into the first editorial column i copied verbatim with a prominent heading the article from the visitor on which the libel suit was founded and gave notice that i alone was pecuniarily responsible for all the injury that could possibly be done to the characters of all the men who might feel themselves aggrieved thereby of the late visitor i had an obituary gave a short sketch of its stormy life how it was insulted overborne enslaved that it could not live a slave and died in its new chains it seems strange that those lawyers should have been so stupid or should have accredited me with such amazing stupidity when they drew up that bond but so it was and the tables were completely turned to sue me for libel was folly for in st paul or st anthony i should have had the gratuitous services of the best legal talent in the state and they in their case would have been ground into very small and dirty dust no famous victory was ever before turned into a more total rout by a more simple ambush and by it i won the clear field necessary to the continuance of my work i still had protection from physical violence but had no fear of legal molestation and after the next fall election border ruffianism fell into such disrepute in st cloud that loaded guns seemed no longer necessary to sustain the freedom of the press End of chapter 40.